This is Weather and Ag in Focus with Richard Riedel, Justin Storm, and Dean Wysocki. Welcome back to Weather and Ag in Focus. Thanks for joining us on this Monday. It's 106 and uh, a quick guess the temperature outside. Dean, Bridget, any idea on how warm it is outside here in Fargo? Well, I'm going to first ask, what is the temperature at the Endon site? And then I'll tell you what it is at the airport. All right. Well, let's pull up all Endon really quick and see what the current temperature is here in Fargo. According to Endon, it says it is 41 degrees. Then it will be 44 at the airport. Bridget, you want to make a guess? Well, first of all, there must be a lot of asphalt at that airport to keep raising that temperature. But besides that, uh, I am in Carrington, where it is currently 37 degrees out. Not bad, not bad. Uh, Current air temperature... Make sure I got the right up to date, 1 and 12, and it is 42. So actually, they are just one degree off right now, but... That's, they were three degrees off last hour, Dean. That's they were first. three degrees off All last right. hour. Well, we got a, a full rundown on the forecast, and I think this is a forecast that everybody's going to want to get onto, except maybe the folks over at Crystal Sugar and anyone that likes snow, yeah. anyone that doesn't like sunshine. Folks then you can turn snowmobiles. your radios off now. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you could probably get a steal of a deal on a snowmobile right now. Yeah, no, you can't. Are you already checked? Oh, no. Snowmobiles don't go on sale. Yeah, but nope. the, the nope. models that weren't even they, you they couldn't sell this nope. year because of no snow? No. Oh, those are all sold. All right. Yeah. You, good luck finding a new snowmobile. All right. Well. Yeah. They, you don't get sales on snowmobiles, well, even on crap weather or e- crap winters. It's either a snowmobile or fix up. Get an ATV. Or fix up the interior of my house. Ooh, yeah. That needs some work, dude. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's from... That's from the cow that was upstairs. Yeah, and we had to teach him how I'm to go saying. downstairs. Your stairwell that, is a yeah. one. It's a mess too. I <laughs> don't even know how you walk up that thing anymore. I don't know. And cows don't come downstairs, so they do. Well, uh, we, we taught this one too. We, we, we've turned it into a slide. <laughs> that, good idea, because otherwise, the, those are some non-functioning knees. But so carry here's on. the trick. Well, you know that uh, the fake linoleum. Well, we smothered a bunch of that on plywood, and we just turned his stairs into a ramp, and we threw his mattress at the bottom of the stairs. Well, bad news is the mattress has a permanent valley in it, but the cow was fine. In fact, the cow liked nev- it and tried to go back up. In case I've never wondered what happened at the weather office when I wasn't there, this is proof that I don't need to know. You know, it's all drawn up. It's like it's all in here somewhere. Uh, how about we do the weather? How about we recap the weather? We're yeah, looking. You want to do that? Oh, we're looking at a beautiful day out there today. Uh, highs today will reach uh, the low to mid forties. Plenty of sunshine. Not quite a record. Record is in the upper forties for today. We'll drop down into the uh, lower twenties tonight under partly cloudy skies and light winds and light winds tomorrow as well. Partly cloudy, a few more clouds around tomorrow, but still nice. Lower 40s, and then by Wednesday, we could be in the mid to upper 40s. Some spots in the far southern valley could touch 50. Um, Air ducks. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, calm. everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Everybody calm down. Yeah, 50 degrees. How about Close that? to it. Close to it. Nice. And then uh, 40s Thursday, and then we'll cool it off on Friday, 20s and 30s on Friday, but then we bounce back for the weekend. Still eyeing the potential of 19 inches of snow. Wait, wait, what? Mm. Yeah. One of our models printed out 19 inches of snow for our area next week. And then the next model, run that, and then the next one that came in, same six model. Six hours later. Six hours later, <laughs> zero. <laughs> How, so they that? missed a decimal point is what you're saying. Yeah, but more than likely. Yeah. So the forecast for next week with that storm coming in, anywhere between zero and 19 inches of snow. That's a pretty Excellent. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. <laughs> it's a pretty big Not range. That That's a huge range. Like I said, that goes into my favorite meme where it's just a big circle, and it says one to 72 inches of snow, maybe, probably. Yeah. And then there's a big donut hole cut around Fargo. <laughs> says, not likely. <laughs> No, but because remember, the LRC traveling. stands for like, well, the and the LRC stands for likely really close. Right. So it could be could be about like that. And yes, I will be traveling next week. Uh, I hear 
All of this starts on like Wednesday, so mm-hmm. I'm leaving Tuesday. Oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine on Maybe, Tuesday. Maybe, probably, likely safe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, but yeah, the LRC does have that on the calendar for next week. And then it yeah. looks like uh, March will be uh, a little stormier than this month has been. But, uh, you know, if, if we get missed by that storm next week, all the other ones look pretty, uh, pretty quiet, pretty tame. But uh, we need the moisture. So let's hope we get something out of that next week. Rain or snow, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Let's get something. All the moisture would be awesome. It would. So we got a couple minutes to burn here before we go to break and introduce our guest. You want to hit some of those ag topics, Bridget? I would. There's a number of things that are going on. Um, we never really slow down in the world of ag headlines now, do we? So first of all, if you are still looking to make to have discussions about a farm trans- transition, there is an in-person seminar this weekend. It'll be at Mankato. University of Minnesota is putting that on. If you can't make it this weekend, St. Cloud will be the weekend after, and after that it will be at Crookston. This is a two-day event. Not only do they talk about what's going on financially for multiple generations, how to talk with folks, talking through inheritance, farm transfer, but they will also schedule follow-up visits for you. And again, that's through the University of Minnesota. If you have any interest, go ahead and send me an email. I will gladly help you out in getting registered for that. And then... Do y'all remember Prop 12 when that was going on, the the whole big controversy about it out in California? Bueller? Explain it. No, I don't. All right. So so Prop 12 was a vote in California that would say any pork that was not raised with a specific specific, um, area around them, uh, minimal space requirements, excuse me. So if it didn't have a minimal space requirement, even if that pork was raised out of the state of California, you couldn't sell that pork in the state of California. There has been further clarification. So Prop 12 applies to whole pork meat products, meaning ground pork not subject to that. So if you have ground pork being sent into the state, you can still do that. Also processed meats, uh, that also would not be taken into effect under Prop 12. But again, there are some things that you have to make sure you're doing right. You have to have a third-party verification in order to have those whole meat whole pork products sent into the state of california uh, because there is a misconception that it applies to finishing hogs but actually it's just the gestational sows not those uh, finishing hogs so if you're a hog producer make sure you know the rules if you're going to have your products winding up in the state of california due to prop 12 is there anything normal that comes out of that state anymore anything you know we can make fun of California, but just remember, uh, I think this number is still true today. They're 20% of our gross domestic product, and your fruit and veggie markets, what is not supported in, say, Florida, Arizona, a majority of fruit and veggies come out of the San Joaquin Valley and whatnot yeah. in California. So if you like it and you want to eat it, you're still going to get it from that state. Uh, I don't know if that Kiwi Grove is going to do you a lot of good in Fargo there, Dean. Sure it would. Probably not. Put a glass dome over it. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> we can afford it. we got plenty of money. Sure we do. And also, while we think about that, you know, how do we have plenty of money? How do we take care of things? Well, the U.S. healthcare system, especially in our rural areas, has had some pretty big struggles going on as of late. And there's some shortages, not just fiscally, but of course, labor shortages within those rural hospitals. Since 2005, 104 rural hospitals have closed and another 600, that's 30% of rural hospitals are at the risk of closure in the near future. So Congress has actually started out with the development of something called the Rural Emergency Hospitals, REH. It's a Medicare provider designation that would help to reinforce outpatient medical services and reduce health disparities in rural areas, trying to get them to a full-fledged hospital service again. Here's the part that I have trouble with. It's a Medicare provider designation. One of the reasons so many rural hospitals struggle financially is due to how broken the Medicare reimbursement payment system is mm-hmm. and how long it's delayed and what they have to do in order to get their reimbursements for their fiscal bottom lines as those hospitals. There are other things that are being done by the Department of Health and Human Services, though. They are trying to provide additional funding for a number of measures, grants to provide stronger health care services, and then even investing in a nursing workforce that will serve rural areas. So it's it's not an easy place to be. Uh, I can tell you that based on my home county's experience, 
there are two hospitals in that county. If we lose them, the next closest hospital is about 40 miles, and after that it would be 90 or 100 miles. So you look at what's going on, and that's just in North Dakota. You know, Montana's in worse shape than we are. Wyoming, et cetera. Right. So just trying to keep people safe is very difficult. And this is all funded by the government? Uh, this new initiative would be to call them an REH, yes. That would be a Medicare We're designation. We're here to help. We can only hope for the best, yeah. yes. Wow. Well, I know we make fun of it. We're still, you know, in some ways, those programs are good. The downside is it just still involves the politicians. That are a part of it. Which usually will take a lot longer to, to get things done. <laughs> Generally speaking, oh, they do. Man. Now, hopefully that is not the case with everything. In fact, our guest today is Brian Fuerter. He is with the Red River Retention Authority. And we want to talk about some of the things that folks don't necessarily think about this time of year. We are dry. There's not a lot of snow around me right now. And why would we worry about flooding? Well, I think it's probably just the right time to name these products, projects and get the work done before we have to try to do it in the midst of mud and so forth, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? Seems like a better plan. Mm-hmm. So Brian's going to join us. We want to visit about that. And then through some messages he and I were sharing over uh, on Friday, I found out that he is also a square foot farmer. So we'll have to talk about that after we mm-hmm. talk through flood projects, et cetera. But he can probably fill us in quite a bit on what it's like to be a square foot farmer and what that entails. So we will do that with Brian Fierter when we return. Soybeans and soybean meal finished higher on Friday. You're listening to the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen with this market update. Markets closed on Monday for the President's Day holiday, so a three-day holiday weekend no doubt will lend itself to some added volatility once traders come back into the markets on Tuesday. Soybeans and meal found some decent strength to end a rather rough week in the commodity trade as a whole, with beans up 8 to 10, with bean meal 5 to $6 a ton higher on the day Friday. Corn mixed around unchanged, churning around recent contract lows. Wheat trade down moderately on Friday, hitting some new contract lows in the July wheat contracts. Those cheap Russian values, cheap Black Sea values continuing to weigh on the world wheat markets as a whole. Now, overall, funds and managed money continue to be near record short or record short here in the commodity sector. And that bearish grip on these markets doesn't seem to want to loosen up anytime soon. The path of least resistance is to the downside, and it's going to take something fairly significant, it seems, to trigger a short covering rally at this juncture. And if that does happen, that should be a decent opportunity to try and make some sales. We'll take a look at the weekly closes next on The American. Ag Network. Conservation is work worth doing here in North Dakota. The newly created Dakota Legacy Initiative makes this work easier for producers and landowners by collaborating with conservation agencies and bringing all available resources to one online location with the goal of preserving North Dakota's legacy of agriculture, conservation, and legendary land and water. Join us where collaborative conservation begins. Visit dakotalegacyinitiative.com to learn more. Are you prepared for an emergency or disaster? Because it's not a matter of if, but when. Don't find yourself saying, I'll trust water bottles and a flashlight to save the day, but I'll be proved wrong. With a tornado approaching, I'll realize that I like a wheelchair-accessible shelter. When the floodwaters rise, I'll be up in the attic with 20 cans of beans. It's a recipe for disaster. Let's prepare so we all have a better story to tell. Get started at ready.gov slash older adults. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Week last week, March corn down 12 and a half cents at 416 and a half. March beans down 11 and a quarter cents at 1172 and a quarter. March Chicago wheat for the week down 36 and a quarter cents to close at 560 and a half. March Kansas City wheat down 34 and a quarter cents to settle at 567 and a quarter. March Minneapolis wheat finished down 29 and a quarter cents to close at 655 for the week last week. Meantime, all three livestock markets were able to round out the day Friday higher as the market was flooded with ample fundamental support led by triple-digit strength in feeder cattle and live cattle futures. Markets closed on Monday. This is the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen. This is Weather and Ag in Focus with Bridget Riedel, Justin Storm, and Dean Wysocki. And welcome back to Weather Hag and Focus. 
I don't know what that noise was, but I did learn over the weekend that the loudest animal on the planet is a whale. And that wasn't a whale. I don't have a whale sounder yet. Maybe tomorrow. I can give you an armadillo. You want an armadillo? Why wouldn't we? There you go. That's an armadillo. That also sounds like the world's worst doorbell. Now, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make that my Tesla horn. I can't wait. So, get out of the way, kid. (laughs) Well, something's got to make noise if your Tesla doesn't. Well, I hope the entertainment has been great for our guest who's joining us today, and that is Brian Fierder. And Brian is with the Red River Retention Authority. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing well, Bridget. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming back. Appreciate it seeing you guys again. Absolutely. So for those who maybe missed your first go-around with us, Brian, tell us more about the authority and what you do. Well, the Red River Retention Authority is a uh, joint power agreement between the uh, uh, Minnesota Water Resource Management Districts and the North Dakota Watershed Districts. And so we kind of work as a as a liaison between them two to help kind of uh, focus efforts into uh, what's best for the Red River Basin and, uh, you know, through the promotion of water retention up and down the basin. And so uh, every year as part of our uh, part of our mission of uh, reducing mainstream mainstream uh, flood levels, uh, maximum peak flows by 20%. We put together a priority project uh, list every year uh, that uh, targets the uh, projects that we are helping to uh, uh, sponsor and to push forward uh, to help uh, help us in that mission of reducing that peak flood flow. And uh, this year, uh, 2024, is no different. We've got about uh, 21 projects that are on our list. Uh, we don't prioritize them by uh, anything, but uh, uh, we do identify those projects. And, and out of those 21 projects, we do have quite a few of them that are very local. Uh, some of them, and again, we, we extend all the way from uh, White Rock Dam all the way up to the Canadian border. So we do have a lot of projects that are out there. And uh, we just... Uh, Want to let people know that uh, this is what we do. Uh, these are some of the things that we can be looking forward to. Uh, some of the folks in the area may be familiar with these projects. Uh, for those of you that are not, uh, maybe this will be something that you, as long as the weather is nice and the roads are pretty decent, you can get out and take a look at some of these things. So as you start to look at what you're doing for the coming year, and I, I think that this list is really about what should be done over a year's time maybe correct me if i'm wrong and it takes longer how does this even get compiled where do you start because i have your handout from a meeting that i attended with you and i have four pages of items uh-huh. how do you know where to start how do you get that ball rolling well we we work with the individual watershed districts and the water management organizations throughout the the red river basin uh each of those areas has a a board of directors administrators secretary treasurers and uh, they work very much independently to identify the needs that are are uh, are, are are being looked at for you know doing some flood mitigation in their areas. And then we also help to team up with uh, uh, different uh, governmental agencies like the NRCS, uh, to uh, Minnesota Department of uh, Natural Resources, um, uh, North Dakota Department of Water Quality, uh, Water Resources, things like that. And then we look at those projects and to see which of those that are out there that are going to have the best benefit uh, or bang for their buck, if you want to put it that way, and uh, see how close those are to being shovel ready. And some of the projects that we have on our list are multi-year projects. Uh, The very first one, the Red Path Project, which is down uh, uh, between Wheaton and Norcross, Minnesota, has been under construction now for a couple of years. A very, very uh, impressive project down there. Uh, And, you know, when we look at these things, uh, these projects vary... uh, some pretty pretty hefty price tags on some of these, and uh, you know, uh, with the uh, with the Red Path project, you know, we're looking at about a sixty two point two million dollar project uh, for total cost of that, and uh, you know, the uh, second phase or phase two B will be bid and initiated here now this spring, and uh, phase three will also start in twenty twenty four. And uh, still waiting to determine whether uh, when phase four will be do- be completed. But we had a groundbreaking on that 
uh, project last fall, and uh, it's kind of tough to see, but uh, if you look at the uh, the uh, picture on the front of that handout that I gave you, that's a background. That's actually a picture of that of that project itself. So, yeah, we we work uh, going back to your original question, Bridget. We do work with the individual agencies, uh, the the uh, um, watersheds and the watershed districts. Uh, to identify those projects, which ones are going to be the most feasible to do, and which ones can we uh, can we get uh, the permitting processes in place and get the project started? What's that? The I guess how do you go from an idea to it becoming a project on that list? What is that uh, timetable and hoops you got to go through look like? You know that that's uh, there's a there's a saying that I hear quite often: nothing in the water world goes fast. Uh, <laughs> some of these projects have been on the books for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the process of getting out, identifying uh, a, a, a potential project, and then they also identify alternatives to that original project, and then try to determine which one is going to be the best project to fit those needs and uh, give those projects that. Uh, uh, benefit for the folks that are around there. Uh, some, like I said, some of these projects have been on the book for a number of years, and some of them, you know, it, I wouldn't be surprised to say that there's maybe some of these will be on the list for the next few years, just because it takes that much time to do all the studies, get all the permits in place, uh, get the landowners to be mm-hmm. uh, uh, in favor of doing these things, and it it is a it is a process and. And the folks in the watershed areas, uh, they do a lot of work, and uh, they, they need to be commended for the work that they do because it's not always uh, – the old saying is, uh, whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting for. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of that that happens. But they do a great job, and they really work well with the landowners and, and the agencies that they need to to get these projects in, in place. And, Brian, for those that don't know, are, is this taxpayer-funded, or how does how do these yeah, projects yes. – Okay. Uh, each of the uh, watershed districts, depending on – you know, we work in two different states, North Dakota mm-hmm. and Minnesota. There's federal funding that's available. There's also local funding. Uh, there is some of their uh, uh, there is some tax money that comes in off of property taxes and things like that, drainage assessments and and those types of things. So it is a very. I wouldn't say there's a lot of there, – there, there can be private investments in this also, but mostly uh, we do look at working with uh, with, with uh, governmental monies and okay. those types of things to get these mm-hmm. projects going. You know, as you look at these projects, how invasive can some of these be, Brian? You know, and I, I, I've watched, I've read through your list and watched some of these. They're, they can be multi-year, and would you say that they're more than just more than just doing a little bit of repair work on the side of a dam? These some of these can get pretty involved, wouldn't you say? Oh yes, uh, you know, some of them. Uh, uh, like the Red Path project and the Mistinka River realignment, you know, back in the, I believe it was in the 50s, uh, the Corps of Engineers had a, had a, had the idea that, you know, to decrease flooding, we'd straighten out these rivers. Take the, take the meanders out of it, make it a straight shot, make it more like a drainage ditch, get the water out of there faster. Sure. And now they're right. going back and they're saying, no, we need to re-meander these these creeks now and uh, these these water uh, drainage structures and so they're they're doing that uh one of the projects that the red path is a great project of that there's another one just uh north of breckenridge uh that the buffalo red uh, watershed district has been working on uh in the uh, whiskey creek and you can see that off of highway 75 and you can see just what they've done to go in there and reshape and reslope that area put those meanders back in and it helps to not only uh, slow down the water that's getting into the into the main stem of the Red River, but it also does uh, something for sediment control, uh, water quality issues, and things like that. So the and then there's also the projects when we get up in the northern part of North Dakota, uh, up along the, in the Tongue River, Pemina area up there. We've got a lot of dam structures that are up there. Some of those structures are 50 to 70 years old, and now we're going to have to having to go in and rehabilitate those because they've outlived their life expectancy. And so these projects can be something to looks like it's uh, all we're doing is cleaning ditches out to uh, doing dam, re- <laughs> dam rehabilitation. So it is. Uh, there, there's quite a it's quite a lot a of damn work. Yeah, it is. It, it is. Sure is. I'm <laughs> glad I don't have to swing the damn shovel or anything like that. <laughs> there you go. So. Well put. Well put. And you were talking about the 
what river was that? The, the Whiskey Creek, was it? Whiskey Creek. And yes. Are we are we fighting that one or drinking that one? Well, that one, right. that one, it depends on what time of the year it is. So. <laughs> and I, I want to go back to that. You said you were a. Uh, some of those rivers you initially kind of thought about turning them into a straightaway, like a ditch, runoff ditch. Then uh, I was thought to make them more uh, put the the. I can't even think of the word you just said. Make you know, them straight. You know, put the bends back <laughs> yep. into the rivers. Was that just for controlling how much, uh, you know, some of the sediment things you had mentioned, but was the big thing how much water was getting dumped into the red? Was it just putting too much water in there too fast and that was raising the th- the flood threat? Or what was that big epiphany moment? They're like, hey, we, we need to stop this. You know, I... You- I, I wish I was the, that, that deep of an engineer to understand what was going on. But their, their thought process was the, the sooner we get rid of the water, we get it downstream. Right. It's not our problem. And so. Yeah, we'll give it to Winnipeg. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you know, that wasn't there ever the, the, uh, the, the impetus behind any of these things, but it was just, uh, what we, what we do today, you know, 50, 70 years from now, they may look back and say, boy, that was, that was foolish. You know, there, we've, new science is yeah. out there no now. No wonder Winnipeg doesn't like us. Yeah, yeah, but they do. They, yeah, they do. They, they do. They do. We put the nice bends folks back up in there. there. Yeah, they, we started to slow the water down <laughs> a little bit. But, uh, uh, you know, and, and that, uh, that whole thing, when you've got water running fast and straight, erosion gets to be a little bit more of a problem. The right. faster the water flows to those main stems, the more sediment it carries, the more crop residue, uh, the, the nutrient residues, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from the chemicals and stuff that are being used, uh, all of that comes into play. And so it's not just so much a matter of just, uh, you know, controlling water. Water is going to do what it wants to do, and we really don't have a lot of say in the matter. But we want to try to control that water, time that water, and then also what can we do to clean that water up a little bit? Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, I, I don't believe that the Red River in this part of the country ever flew flowed crystal clear, uh, but it, it's it's a lot clearer now than it was when I was a kid. Right. So we are seeing some benefits from that. Cool. Well, we're speaking with Brian Feuder, Red River Retention Authority. If you want to call in, ask some questions, feel free to do so. The Red Wing Shoes phone line is open. I got four free lines right now. 701-293-9000 is that Red Wing Shoes phone line, as well as our email, studio inboxes at weather or egg at flagfamily.com and comment boxes available there on Facebook and YouTube Live. we got to get caught up with local news, but when we come back, we'll rejoin this conversation with Brian Feuder again, Red River Retention Authority. And, uh, you know, Brian, I know there's a lot of things going on just north of town, so maybe we could touch on what's going on up there with the uh, the diversion just north of Harwood and what that might look like coming into the year ahead. So we'll get that question answered and so many more when we return. Hey, it's Steve Kearney from Steve Kearney Outdoors. Catch me on Friday mornings on Bonnie and Friends, and we'll talk hunting and fishing, and I'll pass along tips to help you have better success on the water and in the field and let you know what's trending right now. Steve Kearney Outdoors is brought to you by AutoFix and Henning and Ottertail, an independent family-run shop that knows how important it is to get you in and taken care of quickly. Find out more at AutoFixRepairs.com. Are your trees in need of some TLC? Look no further than Tyler's Tree Service. Whether you're planning for next year or need help now, visit tylerscut.com to request a quote. They'll swing by, assess the job, and send you a competitive bid. That's tylerscut.com. Theraldson Ethanol invites you to trade in your job for a career. Just west of Castleton sits one of the nation's largest ethanol facilities, a 170 million gallon per year ethanol plant. Come join a work family of dedicated team members helping North Dakota lead the energy revolution. Pay starting at seventy-five to 80000 per year, plus benefits, bonuses, incentives, and more. If your job is just a job, trade it in for a career at Theraldson Ethanol. Apply online right now at theraldsonethanol.com. Good afternoon, I'm Tom Tucker, WDAY News First. A student basketball player at Fargo Shanley High was punched during a basketball game Friday. The punch was caught on video, which shows a player from Red River High School in Grand Forks striking the player. It wasn't noticed during the game, but caused controversy after the video was posted on the Internet. There's no word on whether police are investigating. Fargo Public Schools officials are informing homeless families about programs aimed at keeping their students on a path toward graduation. 
And he just said, I am so sick of people arguing or getting all upset about not having, um, you know, a $500 purse. And, and I said, and what else? And he goes, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to fill out for SNAP benefits so that I can eat. Homeless liaison Jan Anderson says homelessness can impact whether students succeed in the classroom. Many of the students lack consistent transportation, meals, and locations to sleep or study. Anderson says the number of homeless students in the district last year was 230. This year, it's 275. And Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips says he's not ending his presidential campaign despite laying off several of his campaign staffers. Phillips says struggles with fundraising forced him to cut positions. He calls the decision tough, but says it wasn't the end of his campaign for the Democratic nomination. Tom Tucker, WDAY, and WDAYRadioNow.com. Are your trees in need of some TLC? Look no further than Tyler's Tree Service. Whether you're planning for next year or need help now, visit Tyler'sCut.com to request a quote. They'll swing by, assess the job, and send you a competitive bid. That's Tyler'sCut.com. Weather and Ag in Focus on WDAY Radio. And welcome back to Weather and Ag in Focus. Thanks for rejoining us. It is just about 1.37 on this Monday afternoon. And a quick check on your currents around the Fargo area. we got temperatures anywhere from... 39 degrees to 43 degrees, 44 actually now, just south of us in Fargo. It is a lovely afternoon out there. We'll get a full rundown on the forecast coming up in our next segment, but we're rejoining our conversation here with Brian Feuder of the Red River Retention Authority. And again, if you want to ask any questions for Brian and for us, give us a call on the Red Wing Shoes phone line. That's 701-293-9000. Now, Brian, a lot of people drive up and down I-29 north of Fargo, around Harwood, uh, and there's been quite a bit of activity going on there this fall and even a little bit throughout this winter, but things have gone a little quiet right now. I haven't seen much going on. What's going on with the diversion up there north of town? Boy, I, you know, I, I, wish I, I wish I could speak to the diversion. Uh, I, I have really no expertise in the diversion, really uh, – the Red River Retention Authority and the, the FM Diversion Authority are separate entities, and okay. I. But basically, I have a, a a real keen interest in what's going on. Just uh, with my engineering background and things like that, I I love to see what they're doing. This is something that's you know monumental mm-hmm. as, as far as what's going on. But uh, you know, trying to get those bridges put in and in the uh, railroad bridge has to be in, installed. The aqueducts are going in. Uh, the, just that that whole process of seeing what's going on, and then uh, just going out uh, west of town on on ninety four, you can see where the the diversion channel is being dug out there. It's it's going to be a a permanent change in our, our uh, landscape around here. That's for sure. It's, yeah, it's it an sure impressive is. project. Holy smokes! If you uh, you need to get get somebody on that can. Uh, speak authoritatively about uh, the diversion project i i'm just i'm taking wild stabs so i, I i'm not a i'm not an expert in that but i, okay. I have an interest in it definitely. well yeah i wasn't sure if you guys were connected at all or if you did cross communication or whatnot with that but you, you guys are separate entities yes then. we are yeah. all right yeah. cool so you got it you probably don't have any projects that big do you no, no, we'd sure like to find a couple of big projects like that. But yeah. I think I think one three billion dollar project in this area is probably going to take take a while before we ever see something like that come back right. around. But I, I definitely, uh, it, it's interesting to watch it progress. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It'll be interesting to see what they end up. Yeah. getting done and get moving into the spring. What they're going to get done? I mean, they got a lot done last year. Uh, I was at a. Uh, had a tour there last fall a bunch of us went out and, and, and were able to get in on that and they were saying they were moving something like 1.8 million cubic yards of material wow. a month or something like that it was just astronomically right so do you with the red river retention authority do you have any projects that tie in with the diversion um not necessarily that tie into the diversion um most of our projects are standalone projects okay. uh, they're uh we really focus on retention and holding water back temporarily uh, to release it at a, at a certain time. Most of our structures are off-stream, 
and so it doesn't directly, um, you know, water got to get so high and then it'll flow into our retention structure. And then when the water drops, it'll eventually go back out. But we don't have anything that's directly uh, on channel anymore, really, that we, we do anything new. Okay. Mm-hmm. So with some of these projects, um, I happen to be uh, close to a couple of them, like Rush River, uh, Upper Maple, etc. And so... Do you have, once a project is complete, do you make sure that adjacent landowners, agencies, folks who are in that neighborhood have a way of, of knowing, hey, we finally got it done? Or is it just a matter of, well, the equipment left, so it must be over? Any sort of kickoffs to having those projects finished? Well, it it, it does depend. You know, they, the different uh, agencies will have a groundbreaking ceremony, and a lot of times once that's done, then uh, – it's a it's a great opportunity to say hey look at what we've look at what we've accomplished it's completed there uh, the number two uh, item on our our uh, list of priorities for 2024 was the city of New Folden uh, and that uh, uh, a major portion of that uh, project has been completed and uh, they had some nice uh, uh, kickoffs with that uh, you know kind of a celebration to say hey look at what we've accomplished and uh, uh, they work quite hard with that, so no, we, uh, we don't want to. We don't want to hide these things and keep them out of the public's eye. We want the public to know that this is what's being done to help uh, mitigate flood problems uh, and, and and save those types of issues from being a problem again in the future. Mm-hmm. And what would you say? What, what's what's one of the bigger projects that you'd like to see get done here over the next few years? Oh, you know, one of the really, there, there, there's a couple of them up in the Roseau area, uh, the Roseau Lake Rehabilitation Project. I think it was back in the 1900s. They actually drained the Roseau Lake so that they could farm it. Well, it's really? never really been productive farmland because the water seems to come back. And so they're trying to, uh, a really large project up there, uh, about uh, 4,000 acres are going to be converted back into wetlands uh, and, and, and those types of areas. And, and that, that 4,000 acres is actually going to provide us for about 20,000 acre feet of storage. Uh, not only that, the storage of water, uh, it's going to be uh, improved habitat for the wildlife and then water management capabilities as far as uh, you know, cleaning things up. So that Roseau Lake uh, is, a, is a huge project that uh, on the Minnesota side. On the North Dakota side, uh, we're seeing a lot of things being done up in the in the Pemina County uh, uh, with the Tongue River, uh, those types of projects up there, some dam rehabilitations that are going to have to be done. Uh, also in the Grand Forks area, there's some uh, dam work that's going to have to be done there too and uh, just trying to get those things back into, into existence because, like I say, a lot of those projects were built in the 1950s. There was about a 50-year life expectancy on them. We're at 70 years. Mm. Um, and so there's there's some work that needs to be done on some of those dams. And Bridget had mentioned earlier that uh, you're into the square foot farming. Can you explain a little bit about that? <laughs> oh, square, foot, square foot gardening, yeah. Well, let's go from talking about uh, floods to square foot right. gardening. But I, I've been involved with square foot gardening for a number of years. I, uh, I used to build gardens for people with mobility issues. Uh, people that were in wheelchairs, blind people, things like that, elevated mm-hmm. gardens. And so I uh, kind of got a kick out of that. That uh, uh, One of the first ones I built, a person said, I don't have trouble getting down to garden. It's getting up. Right. And so I uh, <laughs> was, was able to raise these gardens up to a, to a higher level, kind of a tabletop uh, type of a situation. And I had worked with the uh, – uh, Scorefoot Gardening Foundation out of New York, and I was uh, I, I delivered gardens to forty eight states and one of the territories wow. over the years. So I never did get one up to uh, uh, never got one up to Alaska or Hawaii, but I did get one out to the Virgin Islands. Cool, and, interesting. Uh, how how big were these? If you're getting them delivered, uh, well, they were three. the The main one that I built was uh, three foot by three foot and stands about three foot tall, and it holds about eight inches of soil or Mel's mix is what we used to call it. It was a combination of uh, vermiculite, peat moss, and uh, 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 compost, and uh, very lightweight. So you know, if you could 
if you had to, you could pick the garden up and move it to mow around it or whatever. And then I also built up <laughs> a three foot by six foot. And uh, Mel Bartholomew invented the square foot gardening method many, many years ago. When I was a kid, I uh, living in Breckenridge, we had three channels on the TV. Channel 13 was one of them, and used to watch Mel Bartholomew play in his square foot gardens. I thought he had the coolest job in the world. He'd just <laughs> plant a little, pick a little, eat a little, plant a little more, you know. Uh, and it was just a, it was an opportunity, and I, I really got in, in, involved with it uh, as an opportunity to uh, let everybody garden. Uh, it's, it's such yeah. a great opportunity, and especially, you know, we were, we were really getting into the, uh, a lot of folks were interested in the non, you know, the organic, the non-GMO. You know, there was a big kick there. To, you know, no pesticides, no herbicides. You know, having a little bit more control over what they were growing and what they were eating, and that really was taking off. And then that darn COVID thing hit, and uh, then then we really took off. People said, "Well, I got to have something to do. We can't go anywhere, so I might as well stay right. home and garden." And so we mm-hmm. took off on a big boost there too, and then uh, then we've wound up into supply chain issues and and uh, uh, getting things delivered, and it just it, it became unfeasible unfeasible to continue to build gardens and try to sell them. It was hmm. I couldn't put seventy five dollars worth of material in a box and ship it for two hundred dollars right. and charge somebody four hundred dollars for you know, right, but. Uh, uh, but it was always fun, and uh, I was—I've been involved with that uh, gardening. I was kind of funny because I was listening to you guys. I think it was last Friday. You were talking gardening, and you were talking about putting boards over your carrots. And that's something that my grandpa always told me. He said, "You put the boards over the carrots. That way, it keeps the carrots wet because they dry out right mm-hmm. away, and they got no no ability to hold uh, seed moisture. So if you put the board over that, and for a couple of days until they about." seven to ten days before carrots sprout and then uh, they get a good chance at making a survival so can't say it always works but it's got to <laughs> right. do something well it's something i had never <laughs> never even considered doing so yeah. i can imagine there's a lot of people that never thought about doing it either yeah no, but if it works it works lots of little tips and tricks that you learn over the years and uh, uh I, I always go back to some of those some of those things that my grandpa taught me when i was growing up and one of the other things that uh uh, people have always said, well, you know, you got to. He, he always said you planted your potatoes on Good Friday. And he'd be out there with a hammer and a chisel, <laughs> chopping through the ice, and just get, get one hill of potatoes in for Good Friday. But, you know, we, we, we know too that the potatoes aren't going to sprout until the ground temperature is warm enough to let them sprout. But, you know, you got to get them in on Good Friday no matter what. So I, I do try to put one in every year or two, just like he did, if I go hammer it. Hammer a chisel and put one in the ground anyway. <laughs> you won't eat. You won't eat to this, sir. No, no, that's a good thing. No, lose my chisel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, thank you so much, Brian. It's been great fun. Not only do we get to talk about what's going on with the Red River Retention Authority because we know that people have continued questions for that, but then also a little touch on gardening as usual. And if folks want to reach out to you or if you have things that you want to continue to share where could they find them brian how would that work yeah you can uh find us uh, uh, uh website is uh red river or rrra at idea1.net is our website uh, my email is rrra at idea1.net and uh phone number is 701 701- Three five six 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 four four, and we're located right here, uh, North Fargo, across from the uh, Yonkers farm. I know right where that's at. Awesome! Thank you so much for joining us today, Brian. Folks, don't go anywhere. Our last run at that nineteen inches of snow next week, <laughs> and other ag headlines. It's National <laughs> FFA Week. We'll we'll talk about that coming up next. Hello Fargo, this is John Adams, your host of Talk of the Town. My show is designed to highlight everything great about the city, the valley, and the country in which we live. I've had the great fortune of meeting, working, and living with wonderful people in the Fargo-Moorhead area, and I want to bring their stories to you. Human interest stories, sports, timely topics that affect all of us in the Red River Valley. Talk of the Town with John Adams. Tune in for positivity and fun. 
Are you having transmission problems and struggling to find a place to work on it? I've got some exciting news for you. I'm Matthew from Fix It Forward Auto Care, and we're excited to announce that we're now offering full-service transmission repair for automotive and light truck applications, including repair, rebuilding, and replacement. If your transmission is making unusual noises, slips, or is leaking, stop by any of our four convenient FM locations so our skilled technicians can check it out. Fix It Forward Auto Care, the name you trust for car repair. Fix It Forward Auto Care. I began my battle with addiction at a young age, leading me into a life of destruction and homelessness. Discovering I was pregnant left me angry, considering termination, but I knew having this baby would change me deeply. My name is Autumn, and the Perry Center transformed my life. With their support and the help of our donors, me and my baby's basic needs are met, and we have a solid support system. This is Autumn's story, a journey from despair to hope. To partner with us, visit perrycenter.org. That's perrycenter.org. Org. Looking for a rewarding career in healthcare with excellent benefits? Help enrich the lives of the men and women who served our country by joining the North Dakota Veterans Home family. Whether you're a registered nurse, certified nurse's assistant, medication technician, or have a background in administration or maintenance, visit ndvh.nd.gov to learn more about career opportunities today. Sponsored by the North Dakota Cares Coalition in cooperation with the North Dakota Broadcasters Association and this station. Thinking of a Valentine's Day proposal? Make this Valentine's Day truly extraordinary with the offer we have for you. This is Aaron with Wimmer's Diamonds, and now through February 29th, when you purchase an engagement ring and centerstone valued at $2,000 or more, receive a pair of beautiful one-carat lab-grown diamond earrings valued over $1,000 absolutely free. Hurry in and let our diamond experts help you choose the ring that will light up her world. Wimmer's Diamonds, where an engagement ring and free diamond earrings come together for the best Valentine's ever. ABC invites you to attend their second Biological Blitz on Thursday, February 22nd. Join ABC at the ABC Warehouse office in Avril at noon for light lunch and then a showcase of their all-star lineup featuring NutriQuire and Invita. Deep dive into the YMS playbook and Legend Seeds playbook, unveiling the latest yields, trends, and successes. Don't miss out on the exclusive in-game discount. RSVP at ABC now at 218-238-6154. That's 218-238-6154. My doctor told me my cholesterol is borderline, so I took control with Garlic Healthy Cholesterol Formula. Garlic helps maintain healthy cholesterol safely and naturally. It's odor and taste-free, and Garlic is a world leader in garlic potency. I'm taking charge of my cholesterol with Garlic Healthy Cholesterol Formula, cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. This is Weather and Ag in Focus with Richard Riedel, Justin Storm, and Dean Wysocki. And welcome back to Weather and Ag in Focus, One fifty-three in the afternoon on this Monday. It's Monday? It's Monday. It feels like April out there, but it's... It's April? End of February. Oh, it's February. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, though. Temperature, low 40s across much of the area, a little cooler uh, 30s in the Northern Valley, but boy, what a gorgeous day out there today. On our way up into the low to mid 40s, and we'll stay in the 40s most of the week until we get to Friday. We'll cool things down Friday. Quick punch of cold air, but then um, I wouldn't be surprised over the next week, and the key dates would be Wednesday and then possibly over the weekend that we flirt with 50. Ooh. Man. Uh, records this time of the year are upper 40s to lower 50s. So a couple of those days we could be flirting with some record warm temperatures. And, I mean, we've set so many records so far this uh, uh, this winter. Um, it'll be interesting to see. what Now, figure meteorological winter ends here in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see where this goes down in terms of uh, temperature. You think it's going to be the warmest winter? It'll be in the top five. I think it'll end up well, for December, Fargo, December uh, January, and February. I think Fargo might go down, and this is me not having any idea of what the records are for that specific thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if we went down as number one. Like um, I said, I don't know what those numerical yeah. values are, but... We're, we're, we we got to be towards the top, but I think about stories that folks have talked about the 1930s during the uh, Great Depression and the Dust Bowl years, where... We just, there was no snow and it was warm. So I would not be surprised if we get beat out by that 
but I think we are very close to it. Yeah, this has been, uh, well, it's been one of those years. Well, yeah. I was telling the uh, Janae and Ronnie on the old coffee club on the morning, uh, you know how we have those uh, those years where we just skip spring and go straight into summer? Like we don't get that transition of the winter? We, we'll be here. We, we skipped winter and went straight into spring. Sure seems like right. all the spring. Yeah. You did. But... Something that you should not skip, folks, on February 21st up in Grand Forks during the International Crop Expo, Cargill is hosting meetings on camelina. Winter camelina can indeed be grown as as a cash crop and as a cover crop. People are interested in it because there's the possible crush to use for renewable oils like jet fuel, etc. So if you want to attend this meeting, again, it'll be on Wednesday, February 21st in Grand Forks to register for a spot, go to cargillag.com slash events, or make sure you just send me an email, ag at flagfamily.com. I'll help you get signed up. They'd love to see you join them on Wednesday. So little invite there for you. And don't forget uh, for our presidential trivia, uh, we'll, we'll be drawing that name today at four o'clock on uh, Steve Hallstrom show on our sister station oh, uh, doing it? on the flag. I believe Halston is Jay doing it. Bridget, do are we out of questions? <laughs> uh, we're asking questions. I thought it was is Jay, Jay was doing it during the four o'clock hour. You might be right. Maybe they're doing one for Flag and one for WDAY. I don't know. Listen to both at the same time. Yeah, listen to so four o'clock. Four o'clock this afternoon. Hopefully, you can be one okay. of the lucky winners. Well, I would hope so. I mean, I people went through hat. all the work of getting registered, right? And do we have? T- we don't have time. I was going to throw one more. I and mean, we could try one more presidential trivia sure, question. Why not? Out there. Jacob, do we have time? Yep. We got um, two Better minutes. Just do oh, a good one. He told me no. No, he, he said we do no. not have time, so we won't be able to qualify. Oh, okay. On this show, but listen to Jay Thomas. He said show. he was going to throw a rock at you. <laughs> He's like, you do it, I'll throw a rock. <laughs> then we better not. No. Yeah. Now we really don't have. <laughs> All right, Bridget. Do we have uh, time for one more egg uh, topic here, real quick? Several things are going on this week. First of all, it is National FFA Week, and so I'm not wearing my jacket yet, but it's in the back seat of my pickup. I'll be wearing it tonight when I am presenting in Mercer, North Dakota. Mm. I will be there on behalf of the North Dakota State University Extension Service and Brevera Bank, and we're going to be talking about the No Drama Mamas, how to have conflict resolution both at home and as well in the workplace. Then tomorrow, I will be with Scott Hennon. We will be at the Carbon Solutions Summit. And this is put on by North Dakota Farmers Union. It will be in Jamestown. And they are talking about all things carbon sequestration, carbon credits, carbon intensity scores. And there will be lots of speakers there, especially folks from NDSU talking about how to choose what to do and what makes good sense and how that can apply to your farm. Wednesday is the International Crop Expo. It's actually Wednesday and Thursday, I believe, but I, or excuse me, Tuesday and Wednesday. I'll only get up there on Wednesday this week to uh, attend some of their meetings and sessions. They've got a trade show on the floor at the Alaris, and there are breakout sessions in regards to a number of crops. Uh, there's always uh, things that happen as far as potatoes in particular. And then Thursday, I'm off to the bull sale. That's that time of the year again where I get a chance to go out and do that. So it's going to be a busy week. All you FFA alumni out there, get out those jackets, show them off. It's a great time to do it. Right on. Thanks, Bridget. And that's going to wrap it up for Weather and Ag in Focus today. We're back tomorrow, 1 to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Guess who's back? Jake Thomas is back. back from vacation. Yeah. All right. Imagine that. So he's coming up next, Jay Thomas. Don't go anywhere. tomorrow.